What's going on, loyal listeners of the Stacking Slaps podcast? My name is Brett McGrath. I host this show. I collect sports cards, and I have a podcast about collecting sports cards. And here we go. How many of you out there are on team no sleep or team very little sleep? Probably have a kid, maybe two, maybe three. I'm learning how to manage life as a proud parent of two and it is a whole new ball game you know when you're getting ready to have a kid you know your spouse pregnant and or maybe you are the one who is pregnant shout out to all the ladies who are listening to the stacking slabs podcast but it's your second and you hear from everyone two's a different ball game and you just get so tired of hearing it over and over and over again well once you're in, in that mode where you've got a couple instead of just one, as much as I despised all those comments, it is a whole different ballgame. I am still on paternity leave as I record this. It has been a really nice time away. Although I'm not sleeping much, I'm really enjoying the family time, learning how to get in new routines um, and just kick it and enjoy it. This is time that I'll never have back, and it's been nice to put work on the shelf a little bit and enjoy time as a family of four and you know when I can I'm sneaking in sports cards to the mix because without it I'm not sure I would be saying it is the escape it is the greatest escape and I think that's why I get up here every week and decide to talk because it is a passion of mine and we are recording this episode and I've got a couple things on my mind specifically. Um, one being post-playing days cards and just the response and reaction from all of you out there. So I'm going to touch on that. I also want to talk uh, and close the episode out with this conversation around community um, and what community really means. But before we get there and before we do that, I just have to shout out our unofficial sponsor for the week. And it's a big one. It really is. And it's a company that has been around for quite some time, um, fueling different extreme sports and such. They know their demographic and um, they know that, you know, extreme sports, gaming, but also sports card collecting is in that mix. So I want to thank my good friends from Red Bull um, with uh, Tureen, Lightly Carbonated. Um, I have in my hand here a sugar-free version, only 20 calories per can, um, you know, lighten the load a little bit. You get 140% nicene, 120% B12 when you chug this bad boy, B6, 350%, um, and panthothetic acid, 70%, whatever that means. Um, but yeah, it's it's slamming these Red Bulls. It's what I have in my refrigerator right now. Shout out to Team Energy Drink. I know I'm a coffee guy, but once you slip into the afternoon, sometimes you need a little bit different, especially when you're operating on a few hours. And they say it gives you wings. And let me tell you, the wings are alive and well. I'm recording this. I just put my oldest daughter down. My three-week-old daughter is taking a nap, and I'm flying right now. I am soaring because I have sugar-free Red Bull coursing in my veins. Shout out to all you energy drink companies, sports card collectors, 
It's your key demographic. If you want to become an unofficial sponsor or if you even want to become an official sponsor and see the perks of that, hit me up. You can connect with me at Stacking Slabs across all those social channels. Slide in those DMs. Let's talk energy drinks. Let's talk sports cards. Let's talk about how big of a sham and miserable company and we are throwing mud right out of the gates Bally's Sports Network or whatever they call them. Bally's is horrible. And let me, I'm sure you're dealing with this if you're an NBA fan. And that's why I plugged the unofficial sponsor from last week, League Pass. But it is like the NBA season kicks off or tips off and you've got one job. That's to keep your app running. And you can't even do that. Um, It's been just a miserable experience for NBA fans across the nation trying to watch their team play. And it is, this is like how you lose fans is not giving access to watch the games. And every, it's become a running joke where, um, you know, friends will put out tweets and it's every day, every game, there's some sort of issue. Um, and I'll just let you all know, Bally sucks. I'm on team Bally sucks. If you're there, um, stand with me. If you're a Bally's fan, what's wrong with you? But this is the most trash, garbage sports network of all time. And I'm here to wave the flag of that. Team anti-Bally's. If you're out there and you work for Bally's, shame on you. Get your shit together. But here is what to do if you are struggling. And this might seem obvious to some, but to others it might not. This is what you need to do. You need to sign up for League Pass. And the problem in the past, I think, with you know, this is like, okay, well, I can't watch local games. I know it's an additional cost, but get yourself a VPN um, and watch the games. Not only are you paying about the same or even less by not paying Bally's, but you're getting all of those games and getting access to it. So that's what I'm doing in order to watch my Pacers. I've watched every game and I'm really enjoying it. Um, and, you know, it's it, the momentum is here with the NBA season. The buzz is there. Um, we have, I think... We are in the mode where a lot of people were trying to figure out how legitimate uh, Wimby is or was or is going to be. Dude dropped 38 points the other night. This just You can see the transformation of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Wimby is in Indy on uh, Monday, so uh, the game will already have happened. I wish I could get out. I wish I could see it. It's just not in the cards right now. But... I don't know, the NBA season, I like the um, play-in or in-season tournament, whatever you want to call it. The Pacers got a dub against the Cavs, adds another wrinkle, adds some more fun to it. Um, But I'm just getting very uh, motivated around this NBA season more than years past. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because the last time I was a League Pass subscriber, it was during the pandemic, and I managed through the the trash that is Bally's to watch him in the past. And now that I have that gone, it's like if I'm not doing anything, which is there's not much of that happening. But if I'm not doing anything during the week, I'm sitting there watching League Pass. So who's your League Pass team? Do you have one outside of your team? I need to pick one up. I think it's fun to follow the NBA at the level of true degeneracy. And when I'm talking about content and stuff I'm watching, the other thing I caught during the day, which is stuff I never get to watch, my daughter was at daycare last week. I, I checked out that Gotti doc on Netflix, three-part series, a little mini-series action. I love gangster. I love investigation. I love mob stuff. Um, if you're looking for some good content, check that out. And right before I re- hit record on this damn thing, I don't know. I had this thing happen where I've been trying to um, not just uh, – 
be as crazy with my spending on cards and be more intentional and thoughtful than ever. I mean, what this typically is, is meaning to me, especially now that I have two kids and I'm trying to operate from a level of not taking a ton of new cash out and leveraging the equity of my PC to buy cards is I'm trying to buy bigger and better cards, more significant, just be more intentional and thoughtful with my action. Well, that lasts for about two seconds, right? Until you see a card. But this was like a signal for me, and I'm sure you've been through that, or maybe you haven't, but I just, this is like a moment that I just wanted to share this. I woke up this morning, and I've already talked about completing the uh, Gold Prism uh, run for Andrew Luck, and it's probably my favorite accomplishment since I've been back in the hobby. His Gold Prisms don't pop up that much, and if they do, I typically try to send them to a few other collector friends who I know need those cards because they're hard to find, and I've got the run. Well, this morning, the 2019. Andrew Luck Gold Prism popped up on the eBay app and it had a, uh, a a reasonable price, list price with the best offer. And I sat there and I looked at it for a minute and I don't know, I got nostalgic because the 2019, um, it's one of my favorites because I love the blue pants. I love the blue jersey, that look, the color rush look on Thursday night that he wore that. And I sat there and I said, Man, this is super affordable. I know I'm not, I'm trying to hold out. I know I already have this card, but I feel like I w- I want this card. And I started to reason with myself. I'm not a big dupes guy, but uh, fact of the matter is, is this card is the the one of the or it is the lowest graded copy card I have, and it's a BGS nine. And that in my current collection, and I thought to myself, well, since most of my lucks are in PSA slabs. Um, might as well see if I can get Jim Mint this copy. So I pulled the trigger. And to me, it was like, I feel good and I'm really excited about getting this card. And when you're like buying another copy of a card because you're trying to uh, improve a collection that you already have, it's a signal and it's a sign. I think that you're going down the right lane and going down the right path. Um, we aimlessly buy cards all the time and then we sell them, or at least I know I do. But this is not going to be one of them. So I'm excited about that. Uh, the other thing that I found interesting, and I didn't really even mean to stir up kind of a big debate, but I was interested in it. And I had picked up a uh, Peyton Manning draft picks uh, prism card, gold, gold prism, because I'm, I'm a gold prism simp. He's in his Tennessee Vols jersey. Love the card. I bought it and I hadn't posted it yet. And it was like Saturday morning and college football was getting ready to uh, uh, kick off. Um, still licking my wounds and still feeling a lot of pain from that Notre Dame loss uh, at Clemson. If you are uh, a Notre Dame fan and you're listening to this podcast, um, we're in it together. We'll, we'll be okay. There's always next season. Um, but before I, 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 kids were down. I grabbed my card. I looked at it. I was like, man, this card just kicks ass. And then I just thought about it. I was like, man, there's just like such a narrative around college cards and why we shouldn't buy them. So what I wanted to do on uh, Saturday morning, especially since college football was going to be on all day, I just posted the card, talked about why I like this card. And then I thought about, I shared an example of uh, Spur, uh, uh, John Spurfan at Tech. I, I shared his Charles Woodson PMG that he just picked up and he's in Michigan uh, gear. And I then asked the question, like, how do you feel about college cards? And the response was incredible. And for the most part, I would say most people, you had like people who are super passionate about college cards and they, they, they buy college cards because they have a stronger connection with their, um, school. 
and you also had a group that buys college cards because they love them and they're way affor- more affordable and they're collectors. And then you had a, a group of people that just say college cards are pretty cool, but they're not for me, which is fine. Then you had another group that was like, I don't buy college cards because there's no ROI on it, which I thought was kind of, uh, I guess that's the mentality and mindset of a majority of the hobby. And I got so many responses from collectors that were like, that's a stupid way to look at it. Um, But I just found it interesting because uh, so many people watch college football and college sports. And I think one of the, the, one of the reasons why I posted that is like, there are so many existing there and I'm not here. I, I hardly have any college cards. I've got a few here and there. And most of them are, um, players that I PC like Luck and Manning. Um, but I have thought about starting like a Notre Dame football flawless uh, collection and things like that. I just haven't got around to it. Um, but I think about all these preconceived notions and narratives that we hear all the time when we get back in the hobby about like, don't do this, don't do that. And college cards, one of them. So like, I don't know, my, my position is if it's a card you like and it fits in your collection, um, regardless of what the mainstream says, like buy that shit, like put it in your collection, be proud of it. Um, and I just think it's fun to bring up those uh, conversations of cards that the hobby says that we shouldn't be collecting, but a lot of people out there are collecting and are having a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Drake at Drake's PC on Superfractors. I think it was fun to get that perspective. Superfractors was a parallel that was certainly going to be a part of the series and drake is a friend and definitely a collector of such so it was interesting talking about the design and impact on other sets outside of like tops chrome tops finest or um, bowman products um i think there's a certain prestige to these cards and there's a pride of ownership to these cards and that's why there were so many people who posted these cards and you know shared their response and reaction and That's what this whole thing is about. That's why I'm doing these parallel series because it not only gives us the opportunity to dig in, talk a little bit further and hopefully get educated on a parallel that we all love in the hobby, but it also gives us an opportunity to share our damn cards. And that's what it's all about. We don't need the reels. We don't need all the other stuff. We don't need the hobby drama. We're here for the cards. At least I am and hope you are too if you're listening to this show and telling your damn friend about this show. We have a first-time guest coming up on Friday. We're unlocking a new character um, that I'm excited about. And you probably have heard of him before. And he is uh, probably on the Mount Rushmore of collectors in terms of people or collectors that have been referenced on this show by other collectors. And it finally reached a point where I was just like, it, it had, his absence or me asking him to be on the show hasn't been intentional but it was just waiting for the right time. And that right time came as I kicked off this parallel series. I went to his uh, famous Flickr page and was like, this is a parallel that I want to cover. And this guy's collection's insane. And I think he's going to do it. So I am joined by Nat Turner this Friday. We are going to be talking about the ultra platinum medallion. Um, that really excited to share this conversation with you. It is going to be uh, exciting I've got some interesting thoughts and ideas and questions lined up, but really excited to get him on the damn show. Like I'm excited. I've been a fan of his collecting and the work he's done at collectors. So trying to focus more on just the cards, that's why I asked him to be on. So probably don't expect too much uh, updates on just, you know, PSA collectors and such. I just kind of want to talk to a collector 
about a parallel. That's what the series is all about. So you can find that episode on the feed on Friday. Excited to have Nat on. So I'm sitting here as I record this and I'm waiting for a card, a card that's up for auction. Actually, there's a few cards up for auction, but I have this moment where it's like when you, there's a card that's up for auction and you're, you start to plan for that card that's up to, for auction. And it's usually a bigger card and there's nervousness, right? Preparation. Um, when we plan for these cards, it kind of, and you got time, you think about it all the time and it gives you the opportunity to say like, okay, this is going to be a lot of money, but is this something I continue to think about every day as the time passes for in, leading up to this auction ends? And that going through that process is really good because it tells you like, yeah, you're, you're, you're thinking about this the right way. And I think it also gives you the chance to just think about only cards that you really need. I also think like when you go through this process of uh, waiting for a card to end, that's maybe 10 days out and you can think about it every day, it gives you the opportunity to think about the rest of your collection and what you need to blow up or sell in order to pursue something new. And something new might be an addition to an existing PC, but something new might be opening a brand new wing to a PC. Whenever I've done this and gone through the process, and I know it's scary, you you always, or I always look at the rear view mirror on old stuff. There is a time and place for everything. A lot of people, when they sell their cards, they delete them from their Instagram page. I like to keep them. And I like to keep them because it kind of tells the history and the story of those chapters in my collection. Remember, we are the CEOs of our PCs. We can do whatever we want. Don't be scared. But if you have a card that you're thinking about and you continue to wait every day and you're like i need to make a move to make this happen like just do it like making moves is what this is all about so i want to close out or excuse me i've got a two more topics i said so here we go so post playing day stuff this goes back to the hobby narratives we build rules where do these rules come from that's what i want to know i want to investigate and explore where these pre-existing notions and mandates and rules from hobby and the narrative and the scribe, where do these come from? Most of the time, we are influenced to follow rules that is passed down from collector to collector. Most of these times, these rules exist to minimize a certain category for specific reasons. I noticed post-playing day cards was one of them, and I fell into that trap where I was like, I'm not buying post-playing days cards because this is, isn't what we should do in the hobby. Well, I got a ton of responses when I brought up this topic a few weeks ago. Um, there were people that were firmly against. There were people that said, collect what you like. Um, there are people that said, question, is the set important? Um, some people said, don't, because we need to create some sort of parameters. I took all this into consideration and thought, and not on my own direction and influence, but I had overcome the hurdle of, buying post-playing days cards. And I was curious like what the rest of the hobby had to say. I think about players like Larry Bird, Joe Montana, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain. These are some of the greatest players in their respective sports of all time. And their careers just don't align typically with what in the era of where we say these are the hobby's best cards. So they're put in sets like flawless, exquisite, and we're not supposed to go collect those cards and enjoy those cards. I think that's silly. And that version of that happened to me recently when I started by post-playing days, Peyton Manning, gold prism cards. 
And the reasons why I did this were one, I love gold prism. I love out of 10. I love the look. I love the feel. I love the position and the hobby. And a lot of the, a lot of this comes from when I returned back into the hobby, 2018, 2019 timeframe, that was the card. Those were the cards. Those are still very much the cards, but those cards, I have a lot of nostalgia for because there's a connection for those. The Manning post-playing days gold prism stuff, he's in his Colts gear. You can't find playing days prism stuff because it aligns with his Broncos run, 2012 to 2015. So I was not only doing myself a disservice by not buying one of my favorite parallels, but I was not buying one of my favorite player parallels in Colts gear, which is my team. My team, the Colts, drives my collecting above all else. And so for me, I thought about it and looked down. I was like, this is silly. So I've been on a tear. I posted a couple cards of uh, his 2016, which is his first post-playing days, uh, Gold Prism and Colts gear, and then also his 2022, which is his last. And so far, there's like if you go from 2012 to today, there's 90 Peyton Manning Gold Prism copies. And to me, like no matter what, you flash forward the tape 10 years from now, I promise you, people are still going to be talking about gold prism. So it's not just about the value. It's not just about the investment. It's not at all. But for me, I love gold prism. I love the Colts. I love Peyton Manning. So why the hell not? Let's end this episode out by talking about community. And I try not to talk about my professional life a lot on here because it's a little bit of separation between church and state. I enjoy what I do for work and the companies that I help build, but this is my escape. I've been away from work for almost a month, and it's been really a good thing. I've been running really, really hard all the time at my job, and I'm a very much all-or-nothing guy, which has been good because I've been out. And I've closed up shop, but I haven't really been thinking about work. But this time has caused me to reflect on some things that I look at from a work perspective. I do marketing for a living. I study human behavior. I'm, I, I try to in, invoke and inspire emotion. But most importantly, my main job at the end of the day is to create trust. I feel like my obsession with the trust building process has caused me to view the way the hobby operates in a critical eye. It takes a while for me to trust people and trust is formed through relationships. There's this trend in tech marketing that we need to build community in order to build brand. It's like that buzz thing. Everyone's talking about it. Most companies say they're building community, but what they're really trying to do is creating a funnel to get all their, all their stuff in front of a group. It's a sales tactic. Community, community shouldn't be shouldn't include thinly veiled marketing offers to try to get people to do their thing, but that's what it's turned into. Here's what I believe our hobby really means when they're talking about creating community. People are talking about community. People are trying to get people in their program, in their Discord group. That's not real. It's not authentic. It's not at all. What the hobby really means is it's about creating relationships with collectors that go beyond the hobby. We're not all here to be best friends. But having a mentality where we treat people as people and not transactional is helpful. This is community building, giving back, sharing your knowledge, helping others, sharing your cards, elevating others. This can be done by posting, sharing, commenting, offering your feedback, being helpful. Reciprocity is a really powerful thing. When you do something for something, somebody, typically something good happens to you in, really turn, in, in return. Really good communication, being thoughtful, mindful, and intentional with the way you talk with other people in this space. 
micro communities are where it's at. It's things like group chats. It's things where people are looking to help other people out. Community is not a bunch of things. Community is not Discord groups. Community is not getting in a group and getting sales pitch. It's not a program. It's not a subscription. You're not going to find that in community. Community is all about helping someone before you help yourself. And that's the foundation of what a really good collecting community does. It's people helping people. And I've just had those thoughts. I'm a community thinker, builder, organizer, and this is how I operate from work, but I never really shared any perspective about it when it comes to sports cards. I hope you like what I'm doing over here. I hope you're ready for more episodes of the Stacking Slabs podcast. Hopefully you're ready to get down in the weeds on the Platinum Medallion out of Ultra. I'll be with Nat Turner this Friday. Make sure you don't miss it. Take care of yourself. Take care of everyone around you. Happy collecting, and I'll talk to you soon. 